Welcome to the Marketing Strategy Talks podcast, where we interview some of the best marketers from around the world and uncover their strategies for rapid growth. I'm your host and founder of MarketingStrategy.com, Ian Luck. Hello, all you marketers out there. My name is Ian from MarketingStrategy.com, and you're listening to another Marketing Strategy Talk. Recently, I had the pleasure to sit down with Basent Shinoda. She's an incoming business leadership program associate at LinkedIn. She's also the owner of Basent Blast, her company where she helps clients with career advice and personal branding. Now, this marketing strategy talk will admittedly be a little different than some of the other ones you've heard previously on the podcast. While we definitely cover marketing and personal branding on LinkedIn, which by the way, Basent is an absolute pro at with over 19,000 followers and a crazy amount of engagement on our LinkedIn posts. But we actually kick off this talk with a deep dive into interviewing tips and job prospecting hacks for marketers. For any of you talented marketers out there, I hope these tips come in handy. And Basent is a great source for this type of advice. She's interviewed at major tech companies like Google and Facebook and eventually landed her job at LinkedIn. But she didn't get there without dealing with a good amount of rejection along the way, in which by the way, she has an amazing outlook on rejection, which you all have to hear. In addition to these great job hacking tips, we'll touch on a couple of really great strategies for building your LinkedIn personal brand and audience. And she even goes into detail about how she's doubled her audience from 8K to over 19,000 followers on LinkedIn in just a few months. Crazy. I'm really, really excited about this one. So let's get comfortable and dive right in. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn. Visit us at marketingstrategy.com where you'll find the most effective strategies for marketers by marketers. Till next time. So, Basent, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to our convo. Yeah. So I've been following your content on LinkedIn for a while. And again, I've been super impressed by uh, what you've been posting and how much value you offer to the, the community. So I figured let's get you on the marketing strategy talk and kind of talk uh, through kind of how you've approached LinkedIn, but also maybe a couple other things like how you've approached interviewing, prospecting for new jobs, things like that. I think you have a lot to offer. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So uh, one of the themes that I've run into uh, on your posts is this theme of rejection. And it, and it sounds kind of shocking because I think you're so young and you're, so, you're full of potential, but it seems like you've talked about rejection a good amount, right? And I love this because it's a topic so near and dear to my heart. I've cannot tell you how many jobs I've been rejected from uh, over 200 probably. And I've been let go in my career. So like rejection is, I think something that everybody deals with. Uh, and I, and I love that you're brave enough to put it out there and say, you know what, I've been rejected by my, I think you had like 15 job interviews lined up out of college. So and you, you had this great line that I just came back to. And I was like, you know what, that's, that's spot on. You said rejection is opportunity. Mm-hmm. So walk me through what you mean by that. And how has rejection provided you with opportunities in your life so far? Absolutely. That's such a good question. I think rejection is such a taboo topic, like you said. And the reason I try to write and speak about it so much is I had the support system that was there to tell me that rejection is okay. Um, And I think most people don't actually have that, unfortunately. So a lot of the time when we have these pitfalls, we think like, that's it. This is like the done deal. Um, I can't come back from this. 
And unfortunately, because of this, so many people don't try and get past the rejection or look at it as an opportunity, right? Um, so that's why I kind of why I write about it so much, just to be that support system that a lot of people are missing out on. And the reason I say rejection is an opportunity is because in every rejection I have had, it's been it's taught me something. Never has been there an opportunity from a rejection that didn't like help me even get ahead. And at the moment, it's always super difficult. It's tough, right? If you get laid off, if you get rejected or something, it seems awful at the moment. But I think if you look at things with more of a growth mindset and you think of things like, how is this going to push me forward? Um, that's how you make opportunities in life from failures, rejections. And it's funny, I've built a whole business on it, <laughs> which I love. But that that's, it's important to take these weaknesses that we think are weaknesses and turn them into something more positive. And I think that's how we all evolve in life, really. Yeah, and that's a really good point. And uh, rejection is, is exactly that. And I think if you get rejected and you learn nothing, that is truly, for the most part, a failure. But if you're learning mm-hmm. something constantly and you're evolving, I think that's that's opportunity to grow, to grow as a professional, to grow as a person. And you're spot on when you say that. So really, that's a really deep statement. Um, so I, I did want to lead off with that because I thought it was just so uh, compelling and, and truthful right now. And I'm guessing everybody that's listening to this is like, all right, why are we talking about rejection on a marketing strategy podcast? Uh, because I think uh, with everything going on in the world, there is a good amount of people that are laid off, especially marketers right now. And like I said, I've been in your shoes and I, and I know what it feels like to be laid off and, and kind of the, how, how scary it can be. Um, and, and I think, again, Basant, you've done such a great job providing value to not only like what to focus on in job interviews, but like how to prospect those jobs. And, and I've had a couple of people reach out to me recently that are marketers that have been laid off and said, how do I do this? Like, I need help. So can you shed some light? You said you had 15 job interviews right out of college and you got rejected from them all. Give me like some tactical learnings. Um, and I'll get into also how you've been super successful in, in landing that LinkedIn job, which I'm going to drop that name, but because I, I don't want to just focus all on uh, the rejection, but um, because there is a light at the end of the tunnel and I want to really mm-hmm. get that out there to the audience that if you, if you apply yourself and you have a, a strategy, things will work out for you in the long run. So give me, give me like one or two things that you've learned from those job interviews. Absolutely. I always think interviews were an interrogation. And we're mostly focused on me, but I think when I turned uh, like flip coin almost and started getting to know the interviewing more and it's, it's almost like a sales call, right? When you're trying to sell yourself, yeah. you're not focusing on yourself. Actually, you're focusing on the other person. And that's exactly how interviewing was to me, how to make it successful, right? If I focused on the other person, if I noticed these small hints and what makes them excited, um, what they don't like talking about even, what their mood is like, all these different things really like took the interview process for me next level. When you start focusing on the other person, things get a lot easier. And I think that's how you see yourself in general. You need to focus on the other person, right? And one other thing is I always do a ton of research before I go into the interview. Just because then if I'm missing on some experience, if I'm unaware of certain topics, if I'm not really aware of the industry, when you do your research, all of that's kind of abolished in a way. And when you answer questions or when you ask questions at the end, it becomes a bit more deep. It's not just these, oh, what's the company culture like? Or this is a small example of something you did. Like, you know what they're looking for from your research and you can ask like really detailed questions as opposed to something a bit more basic. 
So those are my two tips. Yeah, really nice. And it really does come down to like, uh, you nailed it, like doing the research, having deeper conversations, but not being rehearsed. And I think you said that in one of your posts too, is like, you can't mm -hmm. just spit out the rehearsed answers. You have to market yourself, but it has to be in a genuine way where you can demonstrate that you truly understand the values and the mission of the company, but you're not like just some robot spitting out something from their website. I think that's where the real magic happens, as they say. So let's... um dive into uh, a couple of your, your, I think, famous interviews. So you, you've interviewed at Google and you got pretty far in the process. What was that like? Because um, I think that's, that's always one of those hot topics is Google's famous for having some tough interviews. Any uh, stories you can share with the audience from that? Well, it was an amazing process. I got to meet such cool people. And I think that's the awesome part about interviewing. Even if you do get rejected, you get to network, which is awesome. I've kept in touch with a lot of them and we're pretty close now which is awesome yeah. um, but really cool people really awesome culture um, it wasn't an easy interview I have to say they had like in the final stage which I got into they had like three interviews right after the other which was brutal wow. and it wasn't just asking like I don't know these behavioral questions that are very basic like oh what would you do if a colleague you have an issue with a colleague or all these questions right. it really dived deep into what I would be doing on the job and it was awesome uh who knows what will happen next but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was an awesome process it's not as scary as people make it up to be it's nothing like insane yeah um but it is quite challenging and i think that makes people want to get it more which is a good employer branding to be honest yeah no i think that's great and uh they are definitely famous for it so it, it does kind of attract a, a higher caliber uh, i think prospect that isn't afraid of that type of uh stressful situation um so let, let's dive back one step and then we're going to get into the marketing i swear to god because I, I think uh you have an amazing LinkedIn presence and I want to really dive deep into that. But one other question that I think a lot of these listeners that most likely have been laid off uh, are struggling with is like, how do you actually prospect a job? So are you the type of person that just goes and submits your LinkedIn profile mm -hmm. for a job and just leaves it be and let the... them sort it out? Or do you yeah. have a strategy or tactical approach that puts you in front of the stack, so to speak, um, to kind of mm -hmm. get you noticed? Can you walk through some strategies you have there? The one thing that has gotten me noticed every single time when I was applying to Google, Facebook, Facebook, any of the big tech companies was doing everything. So I don't just send something in and pray to God. I even tell my clients, like, do everything you can. Yeah. Submit the best resume you can that's personalized for each job that really showcases your skill to that job, not just a general, like, spotlight of you. And then before you apply, you have a referral. You've done the networking aspect. On top of it, you have a networking, like a kind of bench almost in that particular company so they can vouch for you. Mm -hmm. um, so while I was applying to LinkedIn, a few people I knew at LinkedIn sent emails for me telling people like you need to hire her, right? Cool. And it's much stronger when people advocate for you. On top of it, my interviewing skills were on point as well. Um, also following up, building relationships with people. I think because as an, I, I'm an expat, so a lot of the time I have circumstances that are already like not making things easy in terms of paperwork. Yeah. So I've just been trained to always do everything I can to get the job. And I think everyone should do that regardless of your circumstances. And that really, really makes your chances of getting the job like very high. So just do everything. That's just what I always tell people. <laughs> so you're starting your job at LinkedIn uh, in the fall, right? 
Oh, actually got postponed. So it's starting in January now. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I figured that's probably the case for a lot of companies these days is mm-hmm. kind of starting yeah. the new, the new year fresh. Um, but I'm guessing your, your presence on LinkedIn had some effect on you able, being able to get a job at LinkedIn, but also getting interviews at all these other companies. I mean, you interviewed at some of the top tech companies in the world. So walk me through, and this is really what I want to focus on because I think you, you just have done a great job developing an audience. You have over 19,000 followers on LinkedIn. So walk me through why developing a personal brand is important to you and maybe how it impacted your, your job prospects. Well, the reason for my personal branding changed over time. So when I first started, it was just because I was experimenting. It seemed like an interesting to do because the organic reach on LinkedIn is insane. Like people are always talking about TikTok and I'm always like LinkedIn. Like, it's, it has so much potential to reach so many people. So at the beginning, I was just experimenting, seeing what to do with this. And mm-hmm. then it turned into me using it as a tool um, to reach certain employers through like presenting my soft skills and hard skills through specific content pieces. Um, and because of me presenting myself, it kind of came parallel, parallel to like my job applications. So for example, um, I sent out an application, I connected with a hiring manager who would be interviewing me. Um, when I connected, you would be able to see my content before our interviews. I'm mm-hmm. posting like say twice a week. As I'm posting, he's looking at this, he's learning about me without me having to say anything. Um, it's a lot more powerful than going up to someone and being like, hire me. They can yeah. kind of see everything from like afar almost. So it acted like a really good tool to, you know, sell yourself without having to sell yourself. It's just this mass networking tool. So it was very beneficial. And I think having gotten a job from that and like kind of evolving my brand along with like me getting a job and it's really helped me build my business from nothing through content creation and getting like all the inbound leads just from that. So it really depends on your goals. So if you're looking to build a business, it's perfect for that. If you're looking to create opportunities for yourself in your career, it's also perfect for that. Um, It really depends on your goals, but there's so much you can do with it really. (laughs) Yeah. And I, uh, I think people are starting to wake up to the organic reach of it. It's like the only business platform. I mean, yeah, it's the only business platform that has that type of reach without paying a ton of money. Um, so it's, it's, it is interesting that, especially from the personal side. So I think what a lot of companies struggle with is like they put a ton of effort behind the company brand. Um, mm-hmm. And these don't ask, actually pan out as well as like, for example, if you have a couple key people in the actual company yeah. promoting their own content, I feel like the LinkedIn algorithm is kind of more centered on people versus brands, which rightfully so. Um, but walk me through. So like tactically, how do you get to 19,000 followers? Because... And I know there's a lot of hard work that goes into it and thought, but walk me through, like, if you were talking to somebody, you know, that wants to get to 19,000 followers, what should they focus on? Value and consistency for sure. Um, So on one hand, this wasn't something that happened overnight for sure. This was me consistently posting every week, at least twice for two years, a little under two years. Um, So the consistency aspect of it is really important. So I see people who post like once a month or every now and then without like a proper plan behind it. And I think when starting out, it's really important to put a content plan in place and make sure that you're posting consistently because that's just what the algorithm uh, prioritizes, right? If it notices Mm -hmm. you're not posting so much, you're not going to do so well. Um, 
on top of it, it's very value-based. So LinkedIn in general, it's not, a lot of people think it's for announcements. It's for saying like, I got this certification, I did this. But the content that really gets to people is ones that are like very value-based and um, consists basically of things that are helpful. And um, I think a lot of people think that value is just things that you can Google. But when it comes to my own content, if it's something that's common knowledge or something that's very like easily Googleable, Googleable, <laughs> I don't put, yeah. I don't put it up. <laughs> I don't put it up just because like if people find this value elsewhere, what's the point of me putting up like and adding more to that kind of like noise, right? And it was a process. I like I even look back at content written like three months ago, and I'm like, Ugh. That's not very good. <laughs> um, so it's definitely a process. It takes a lot of time. But I think what really differentiates me apart from the value I give and talking about all these different taboo topics in the workplace was just the community building aspect of it. Um, so when someone likes, on, likes my posts, especially early on or comments on my posts, I treat this person like um, part of my network, right? I check yeah. in on them. I make sure they're okay. If they wrote something specific in my comment section, I can on them later. If they were struggling with something or so on. Um, I guess this is a community building thing, a two-sided conversation, rather than me just putting up content and being like, oh, here, I hope you like this. Um, it's really listening to people and their struggles. And I think because I was able to really understand people, and create content that goes to a very specific community that relates to me and I relate to them. It kind of created the loyalty and this bond between the two of us. Um, so it was a lot of consistency in that manner, making sure I built that community through creating value to them and always like engaging with them and making sure that the value, the, the posts are really valuable to them. Kind of like that kind of formula. Yeah. And, and I definitely echo that sentiment is like, the value first, for sure. It's not about just bragging about, hey, my, my post is trending on LinkedIn, look at me. It's That mm -hmm. stuff doesn't work that well. Um, if you provide value, and I love that that term you said, if it's if it's Googleable, it's not worth putting on LinkedIn. That is such mm -hmm. a good way to look at it. And I think marketers across the globe should take that to heart because there are a good amount of people out there that are just posting stuff that's like, yep, that makes sense. And it's not super compelling. And I think taking that next step of like, is it common knowledge? Is it something that you can find on the internet already? No, I mean, you speak to, and I've looked at your post, you speak to your personal experience. You speak honestly about it, which I think is another key piece is like being honest. And like I said, we led with rejection because you talk about it a good amount. And that's brave. That's, that's not something everybody does. Yeah. Everybody on LinkedIn seems to think they need to put their best face forward. And they need to, you know, be the perfect business person. And if you look at some people, you would think that they're Elon Musk or something, right? Like that they're, they're perfect. They're, that's probably a bad example. But um, I guess my point is like, there is something to be said about being genuine and approaching yeah. it from uh, both angles, because you've talked about your struggles, but you've also talked about your wins. You've talked about how you are, you've got a job at LinkedIn, which is, super amazing uh, and very exciting. And uh, I think you wouldn't have gotten that job if you probably didn't have those failures and learn. Um, so I, I think it's that journey, right? Of that whole process that if you share it, people find value. And I, and I do also love the reaching out and kind of treating each person that comments as a part of your community. And I'll never forget some of those people that 
have reached out to me uh, when I've commented and, mm. and had some thoughtful piece of advice or feedback for me. And, and I do remember those people and they, they do kind of take a place above some of the other just random people that like my posts because, or I like their posts because it's, it's, you create that bond that I think is a little bit further than just engaging. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I really agree. And I think recently um, someone sent me a message uh, because I always respond to my comments, which can get difficult, but I really prioritize that. And she said like, out of all the influencers on LinkedIn, I'm the most person she was close to almost. And she feels like she can reach out for anything, which, from a network perspective, amazing. From a business perspective, even more amazing. Yeah. So it's really important to have that kind of connection with people because um, I think if you look at YouTube, TikTok, any of the other channels, they're relatable. And I think that's translating to LinkedIn in a way where you need to be human first. Um, yeah. No one's perfect. If I, like you said, some people act like Elon Musk almost online, but yeah. no one's like that. Um, and coming from a place of honesty is very important. That's definitely very true. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, um, I think one thing I noticed when I was digging through your posts was that you went from like roughly, I think it was, uh, eight months ago, you were at, I think four or 5,000 followers. And then within eight months you skyrocketed up. Did you have something that propelled you to that doubling your following? Like, was there one event that you can kind of attribute it to? Hmm. To be honest, it was mostly not the eight months. It was two months ago hmm. um, when quarantine happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think mid-April, I had 8K followers. Okay. And now I have, like you said, about 19. So it okay. was really on these two months where things just exploded almost. Yeah. Um, and I think what changed everything, it, was, it didn't happen when quarantine happened. Um, so I was kind of experimenting when things started because it was very interesting from a marketing perspective because usually for example if you have certain things in the u.s they only affect the u.s right yeah, or if yeah. something happened in india politically it's only in india march happened and i noticed a weird drop in my engagement where because everyone was struggling collectively right yeah, and yeah. i think what i did was i really tried to target that in a way so what are people looking for right now hope um, support community, um, speaking about rejection with something I'm very good at all these different kind of, uh, things. And I noticed that in my audience and my community in general, and I was able to kind of target that specifically, um, of influencers, a lot of people who do produce a lot of content is they kept going in the same kind of rate, yep. but everything in terms of content at that point, like completely flipped. Right. People like were like continuously are struggling so much. They don't want to hear about your plan or what's going on in your company. Everyone's so engrossed in themselves right now. And um, that's what I focused on. I made sure I was really focusing on my community, especially since I was home all the time. Um, <laughs> how can I create stories that really cater to their struggles right now, as opposed to what I was writing about before? And I think that was really important from an adaptability kind of standpoint. Um, and, and that's, I think, how I've continuously grown in the last few years. It was just always adapting to my audience, adapting to what they're going through, and my, growing with my audience. So I'm growing as a person. They're growing with me. We're not all static people, right? And um, a lot of the time, if I spoke about certain issues that were happening with me, they were also happening to them because yeah. we're all kind of like changing and growing together. So yeah. that was the, it was just adaptability. So 
And I wanted to call that out because I think that's a really, really good example of a marketing pivot, uh, whether uh, I think you realize it, but you listen to kind of your audience. And, and I think this is something that marketers struggle with, right? And I, I think a lot of people are saying it on LinkedIn is like, oh, marketing has to be agile, you have to pivot. But nobody really knows how to do it because either they've never been through it before, yeah. or they're just not uh, super uh, in touch with their audience. And, it, and mm -hmm. I think you, you nailed it when you say listening to what your audience is struggling with and creating content around that first. That's empathy because you're trying to help them during their time of struggle. But it's also um, interesting because I think, like I said, 80 to 90% of those marketers right now are struggling to do that exact thing, which is adjust to their audience's needs. Um, and the ones that have done it and done it successfully are, are doing very well right now because I do think we're kind of at the tail end of this thing, knock yeah. on wood. Um, but I just want to commend you for that because it does seem like you've made an adjustment. You've tailored your message to what I think that the, the people are struggling with right now and delivered that and it's valuable and you've literally doubled your following and like more than doubled in, in basically eight months or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think that that's something that I don't want to understate. That's really hard to do. Um, and the fact that you were, you had enough, um, wherewithal to do that. I just want to commend you on that. So that's, that's really cool. Thank you. That's a good lesson Thank for all you. the other. I, I think when it comes to marketing, the problem is there's so many different like layers when it comes to marketing. And I think a lot of marketers aren't even very in tune with their product or service, to be yep. honest, based on like the places I've worked with. And, um, I have used the services I, I am providing to people almost. Yeah. Um, and I'm also going through exactly what they're going through. And I think these influencers in your company that know exactly what they're talking about, because I think it's really missing right now, like you said, like in different departments. What do you think about? Yeah, it is. And uh, I think uh, as we go through this, people will obviously adjust. I just think that the ones that have done it quicker than others will, will be on top um, probably for the next, you know, at least a couple months, if not a year or so. So. Um, pivoting and adjusting to your audience's needs is always a good thing to practice. Uh, mm -hmm. So keep that in mind, marketers. But um, all right. So another thing I wanted to kind of cover is like LinkedIn, there, there are some hacks out there for getting audience engagement. Are there anything that comes to mind for you? For example, like, do you use emojis? Do you structure your posts in a certain way? Do you have a long list? Anything that you found that has driven more engagement other than obviously the, the main pieces, which is just add value and speak to your audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's moving so fast. Like it's insane how crazy the algorithm is always shifting. Yeah. And um, in general, my posts are in length, always changing. Um, it, it's crazy. Like I think LinkedIn, like, thinking about it now needs a lot of adaptability. That's why I love these podcasts. You start thinking about things. <laughs> um, but as of recently, I'm noticing that in general, people want it a bit simpler. And I think that's because of everything going on. They don't want to think a lot, which is yeah. totally understandable. And I think right now, the simpler, the better. Don't overfinance it in terms of value even because I used to be very value heavy. So if you look at my posts, it'd be like full of hacks, full of things you need to do. And I think now people just want just want really snappy and quickly. Yeah. So I think if you can bring your story and message in a very short way, that would be great. Um, in general, bullet points used to do very well. Now they don't. 
Um, it really depends. So yeah. depends on when they're watching, like listening to this. But in general, right now, very short posts are what's doing really well. And if you can get like not a clickbait title, but something in the beginning of the post that's super catchy, Robs that's them. really how you get your post to like, yeah, grab people. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. Uh, I've also found something similar is like, I, I tune out after like halfway through a really long post where it's like a book. I just, I don't have the attention span. So I think you're spot on with that. Um, I want to shift gears real quick. So we got about like five or 10 minutes left. Um, you are also a accomplished speaker. So you have a really good story about how you landed a speaking engagement, I think with Microsoft, right? Walk me through in the audience through how you, how you landed that and, you know, why speaking is important for personal brand. Oh, it's not so exciting. Um, I think a lot of people think like they reached out to me and I made a whole hub about it. But <laughs> while I was a student, I think it was my last year of university, I was trying to find ways where I could speak more um, just because it's very important. Um, Online personal branding is amazing and you can get a lot done through it, but there's nothing like normal human connection (laughs) and just speaking to people like face to face and looking them in the eye. Um, But yeah, I was going to Eventbridge, which is a great place to find like different events that are happening, especially right now virtually. And I noticed they were holding a workshop for women in tech. And basically what I did is I emailed them because they said they were looking for speakers and I just asked if I could speak. And they said yes, which is amazing. And it opened so many doors for me from first off, having that on your speaking list is amazing. Second off, I met so many incredible people and speaking is a form of giving value, mm-hmm. um, similarly to you creating content. And I think a lot of marketers have also lost that. It's now yeah. more of a sales pitch. Let me yep. speak about my service or product or um, what my company is doing. But in my opinion, it's really about adding value to people and really helping them through holding these workshops or speaking engagements, right? And while I was doing my speaking engagement, giving value to these amazing women, a lot of them reached out to me, either for me to help them more individually, like in coaching format, or so they could refer me to the companies they work at. Like, it's really a win-win when you think about giving value to people. And um, personal branding is just so important from that kind of standpoint. And I love, uh, the reason why I brought this up is because I, I love the, the simplicity of just ask. Because mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many times just ask is the solution in a lot of things in life. I mean, literally, you want the title, just ask. You want the, the pay raise, just ask. You want to speak at this big conference, just ask. I mean, I can't, I just love it because it's, it's so simple, but um, it's such a good message, especially again, with a lot of people out of work, just ask for what you want and take it because that's really what people are waiting for is just somebody to ask for it half the time. Yeah. So, so good I on you. Say, like, I always say, you're never going to lose anything. I think people have this fear of like, if I create content, if I ask for this thing, it's really scary and I'll get rejected. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, maybe I'm just immune to it at this point from the <laughs> amount of times I've been rejected. But um, the worst is going to say no, or the worst is they're not going to answer. And that's not that big a deal. I think people are so engrossed in themselves that they think it's a huge deal if they get out of their comfort zone, but people forget very quickly. So I wouldn't be too worried. That's a great point. And yeah, again, I think you just have a really good outlook on this stuff. So congrats. So, all right, let's close up. What's your favorite marketing book of all time? 
Mm, the original is by Adam Grant. It speaks a lot about content creation and how you can create quality plus quantity. So I really like that book. All right. Good one. Uh, so what's the one thing that you want marketers listening right now to take away from this talk? Add real value to other people, not just because you want to sell something. Really seek out helping and really seek out creating community as opposed to just trying to sell something. Yep. Nailed it. All right. So, Basant, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you? Where can people reach you? Throw out some plugs. Yeah. Basant Shinoda, on, like on LinkedIn, I'm very active on there, as you've heard. Um, Basantblast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch to me, with me for speaking engagements or something. Yeah. Would love to help out, learn more about you. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been very insightful. I wish you the best at LinkedIn starting in January. Thanks again for joining up and we'll talk soon.